Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise today. Amen. Would you take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to Exodus, Exodus, the, the 14th chapter. As we uh, continue here in our, this may be the last message in this series, uh, but there's so much in this passage, we may not get to all of it today, so uh, I'm just leaving my options open, all right? So uh, I want to encourage you all to come over and join us next door right after the service. The meal is prepared, waiting on you. Uh, I want to say thank you to all those that helped set up, and a very special thank you to Liz for, for putting all everything together. And also, if you've got a ticket, bring it with you, because there's going to be some prizes when you come over. And now the theme today is New Year, New You. Now, some spouses are to be saying, Amen, New Year, New You, come on. Just teasing, just teasing. Uh, but how many know as we come into this New Year's that we, we do with anticipation that God is going to do great things? And it's a great time to make some resolutions, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm going forward in my relationship with you. Now, let's look here in Exodus, Exodus, the, uh, the 14th chapter. And let's ask for the Lord, and as we, we look at this series, and we're drawn from Hebrews 10, verse 39. But we are not of them that shrink back unto destruction, but of them that have faith unto the saving of our soul. So we don't shrink back, but we are going forward in the things of God. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord right now before we get into our text and where we're going in Exodus. Lord, I just want to come before you. In fact, I want you to stand with me once more this morning. I don't want you to get... Let's do a little shake-off, okay? Shaking off the things of the past. Let's, Let's do a little exercise of faith. I want you to turn and look at that back wall. I want you to turn and look. Not the person's head, but the back wall. Just turn and look. Just take a long, long, long look there. All right, now turn back. Would you make this declaration with me? That'll be the last time I look back. We see that things have, there's areas that we're, we're going to remember, of course. But your restoration your healing and deliverance is not in your yesterday. It's time to quit hitting the rewind button. It's, button. it's time to go forward. Lord, we just want to thank you today for your mercy and your grace. As Lord, as we step into this house, Lord God, into this hour, into this moment, I pray, Father God, every hindrance, every distraction, every spirit of darkness that would, Lord, try to distract in this place would be bound that our hearts would be fully open, that, Lord, that you would take, Lord God, these lips of clay and begin to articulate, Lord God, your word in our heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we look here, what we see is that Israel is preparing for a, a brand new day in their life. The last 400 years, they lived uh, in Egyptian bondage, and now There's going to be a whole other set of lifestyle, paradigm. Everything has shifted. They've gone from from being a a, a subjugated people to a liberated people. 
So they're moving out. The judgments of the Lord was poured out on Egypt. Then the blood of the Lamb came and there was freedom that, that was afforded to the Israelite nation. And now they're, they're moving in a place. And the Lord knew if they saw battle, they might turn back. So the Lord staged this conflict and he brought them down a path. And now they're sitting here and there's a mountain range on either side. The enemy is fast approaching them, and what sets before them is a Red Sea. Now, Pharaoh just didn't show up. He has his choice chariots, which are about 600, and all the rest of his chariots and his entire army are there, and they are approaching Israel. And we take up the story in verse 10. Now, Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word which we told you in Egypt, saying... Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Moses, in verse 13, said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which you will accomplish for you today, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, which you see today, you will see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you. And you will hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And... I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh, over all of his army, his chariots, his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Wow. So the drama of our faith. is displayed for an audience of all of eternity on the stage of impossibility. And as we look at this drama of our faith, we see setting upon this stage an, an impenetrable door. Cannot be opened from earth's side. Oh, and the, there's never a good drama without a good villain. Who's the villain in this story? Obviously Pharaoh, but not just Pharaoh who represents the devil, Satan and all of his horde. But also we have the villain of fear. Anytime that, understand this, anytime that, that you get ready to move in the direction God wants you to go, 
Fear is going to try to linger and lurk around in order to persuade you not to go in that direction. We'll talk about fear again in just a moment. But see, what we, what we see here is faith steps on the stage of impossibility and begins to knock on this, what seems to be a door that cannot be opened. And the more that faith knocks on this door, the more faith professes the promises of God. God, you told me you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord God, you, I trust, oh God, that I can do all things through the Lord who strengthens me. That a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but Lord God, it will not come nigh me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not into my own understanding. In all of my ways, Lord God, I acknowledge you, Lord God, and your peace that goes beyond understanding, Lord God, shall, Lord God, keep me in this hour. And you keep knocking, you keep knocking, and then keep professing the promises of God. And the more you profess the promises of God, the more you begin to trust the promises of God. And the more you knock on that door of impossibility, the more you begin to believe that what God says is true. Now, there's a power that comes from the unseen. And that door not only unlocks, but that door begins to turn. And that knob begins to move. And you can hear a creaking that just brings a reverberation all the way through hell. You know, in that scary movie, when that creak starts to come, and you're like, oh, I'm written ready for it. What happens when you initiate faith in your impossible situation, there's that unseen force that begins to turn that knob, but that creak does not bring a fear into your heart. It brings a fear into all of hell, because hell knows that, oh, wait a minute, they've tapped into something I can't control, I can't stop, I can't move away from. And hell begins to hear what begin to, to drive fear right into the one that is trying to drive fear into you, and all of a sudden... See, what was this unseen force that responded to faith? That unseen force that responded to faith is grace. See, grace opens that door. Children of God, hear me today. You're called to live and the reality of the tension between the seen and the unseen. You're called as children of God. You are the front edge of the storm. When does a storm arise? It's when two different climates begin to come together. They begin to clash. You take a warm air. You introduce it to cold air. In the right atmosphere, it'll cause disruption to begin to take place. We, as children of God, we are here in the scene, but we step and live and are governed by the unseen. This is called faith. And when we respond to God in faith, God responds to us by grace. Now, we've got to understand what grace is not. Grace is not a license to enable me to do anything and everything I want to do. But grace is the empowering of the Lord God Almighty to do everything I should do. 
as Andrea defined grace as this. Grace is the power to do the hard things. Grace is what will enable you to be saved. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. I cannot boast about my salvation. All I can do is rejoice in the empowering that God has given me through the faith and the grace that I have. Amen? So as we look here to the Word of God, we understand We understand as Moses is here before this impossible situation, he is standing here and giving a clear depiction to you and I what it means to live in this place of faith. As we knock upon the impossibilities, we knock upon the door of impossibility and grace steps in. See, in these last days, there will be a form of godliness with the denial of the power thereof. It's going to be a form of godliness. There's going to be rituals associated. There's going to be a method and means, if you will. But see, we don't have the empowering of the Holy Spirit if we go by form only. There is the personage of Jesus Christ. And there's the marrying of my life with his. There, God, give me the words to say. When we are living out the reality of our Christian walk, we cannot deny the power of the living God abiding on the inside of us. See, too often I believe that we have come into a realm that's been there from the inception of humanity. It's a a work system to where we have this belief that we can make it on our own without the sacrifice of Christ. But I want to say to you that when we come into relationship with the Lord, we are no longer alone. We are no longer living in an existence that we are isolated and alone. We are now in relationship with God. And what I want to encourage you to do, especially in this coming year, is stop depending upon yourself and start depending upon the living God so that whenever you do face those Red Sea situations, those Red Seas of impossibility might be a doctor's report that you're facing today. Let me say to you, you are not alone in that operating room. You are not alone in that waiting room. You may have court documents today waiting upon your signature. You are not alone in that situation. Are you hearing me? You may have that bank statement sitting in front of you, and you're wondering, where is it going to come from? You are not alone. What you're doing is knocking by faith, professing the promises of God, waiting upon grace to reach down to open that door for you. See, faith walk is just that. 
it is walking with God each and every day. I want to look here, and hopefully as we move forward in this, I want you to see this villain of fear that steps in. I know some of you are just processing right now. So we're looking at this passage here. See, it's not religion that God is the most interested in. And I've told you last week, there's things I religiously do. I take a bath every Saturday whether I need it or not. You know, I, I wash my mind through the Word of God. But Bible reading doesn't save me. I go to church. I'll be here Wednesday. I'll be here next Sunday. I'll be here next Saturday for prayer. I, I do these things religiously, but those things don't save me. I profess the Word of God over, over my life and my family, over you. I pray for your every day. I pray for your health, your wealth, and your well-being. I pray that you will physically be well. I pray that you will mentally be well. I pray that, that, that God will bless you abundantly in every area of your life. I pray over that. But the doing of that is not what saves me. See, I think we have a salvation that leaves out the Savior. <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. It is a gift of God. We've come out of this Christmas season, and now we're into the New Year season. But we walk into the into the place, and 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 we look underneath the tree, and we exchange the gifts, and we receive gifts that we may not deserve. But but God, but we give those gifts out as a reflection of what God has done for us. Amen. It's kind of like when our children were little; they would come to us, and of course they have no means to, uh, for any increase in their life, no money. So what we would do is we would give them money so that they could go buy us gifts. Why did you do that? Because they wanted to participate in giving. See, the God, our Father, does the same thing for you and I. He gives us the grace through faith so that we can now give to others. We don't earn it. We can't even, we can't even get enough uh, uh, eternal uh, credits on our side to, to deserve it. He just gives it to us. And how do we receive it? We receive it by faith. We receive it by knocking with faith, and then faith uh, initiates grace, and grace empowers us to do what God wants us to do. Amen? So as we continue to move forward in the things of God, and we don't shrink back to destruction, we do so because we understand the dynamic of where we live in this seen world, but we are not governed by this seen world. And when we do knock on those doors, whatever those doors may be of impossibility, fear, I assure you, is lurking in the shadows, wanting to step forward to put into your mind to take you back to bondage. It is a devious villain of fear. And notice their fear that the enemy shows up in all of his entourage. He's got all of his stuff, and he's ready to attack Israel. And the Lord God is setting up above, saying, oh, bring it on, buddy. I've been waiting on this day. <laughs> 
Oh, he shows up and he's like, I've got everything on my side. I've got the government. I've got the authority. I've got the power all in the natural. But we are children that live beyond the natural. We live in the supernatural unseen. And so the enemy shows up. And what happens to Israel, fear grips their heart. They weren't afraid. They were very afraid. And notice what fear always does to us. It'll fast forward us to the worst case scenario. Think about it. When you get that doctor's report, your mind, you've got to rest that mind. But many times that that doctor's report shows up and you fast forward to the end. And maybe it is, maybe it is, uh, backed up by the by the doctor and it gives you all the all the negative things that are going to happen as a result of this but I'm going to give you this medicine now there's 27,000 side effects of this medicine but it'll help you in this one point but I've got medicine to take care of that medicine. And, and so I'm not against doctors and medicines, understand. But folks, what, we, what happens is there is a fast forwarding to the absolute worst scenario. It's called fear. I've never seen an infirmity try to come upon me or someone else that didn't have a voice attached to it. And it's hard many times to silence those voices in the scene. But if we go back, to the Word of God, we discover that we can. Now, fear walks into that place and says, we told you to leave us alone. <laughs> oh, I wish I could. But there's some compulsion on the inside of me that will not allow me to leave you alone. <laughs> there is a... There's a heart beating in the chest of the church that just will not allow the world to stay as it is, will not allow the children to stay as they are, will not forfeit a generation to this, to this cultural nation, just says, no, I will not. So we have here a situation where they're saying, why didn't you just leave us alone? It's because God the Father will not leave you alone. Because God the Father has made you to be and to bear His image. Though you were born into a world of false image, God has come to reconcile us to His image by showing us what it truly means to be human. And truly to be human is not to live according to the first Adam. To truly be human, you've got to live according to the last Adam. We were born into a, we were brought forth in the garden of Eden and dwelling place of God. And because of man's choices now, instead of getting, we will be like God. We got God is like us. God is not like us. But when we step into that relationship with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden our world is opened up to the reality that there's more to life than what we've been living. And there's more to there's more peace to be had. What we see here, fear is wanting to go back into the past. See, why didn't you just leave me alone? To serve the Egyptians. Just leave me where I'm at. I thank God that there were those in my own life that refused to leave me personally where I was at. That actually annoyed me into church. <laughs> Bugged me until I couldn't take it anymore. I said, okay, I will go. 
then reinforced it with all their prayers. Until one day I fell under conviction and all of a sudden I wanted to be changed. Happens to every person that comes into a relationship with God. But we're here, we're setting, and let me, let me say this to you. See, fear loves to negotiate. Bondage seems better than freedom if I have the responsibility of participation. In other words, bondage seems better than victory and freedom as long as I don't have to participate. In other words, it's easier to stay in your bondage than to get up and start moving in the direction that God is leading you. To face those impossible situations so that you may be victorious in your life through the power of the grace of God given to you. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. My level of victory will be dependent upon my tolerance for discomfort. My level of victory will be dependent upon my tolerance for discomfort. You've heard the saying, any athletes in the house, no pain, no gain? You know what I'm saying? How many love to diet? How many love to exercise? How many love to, how many love to get up in the morning where the air is a crisp 32 degrees and you put your running shoes on and you run your, your little trek? and your, How many love to do that? There's one or two outliers in the room, but the rest of us. How many love to push the dessert plate back and bring in the salad? I'm getting the, instead of an amen, I'm getting a meddling over here. See, same is true with our faith in God and our pursuit of Him. See, you can have as much victory as you can tolerate your discomfort. In fact, your discomfort, your tolerance for discomfort will be the ceiling of your faith. Hear me. It'll be the ceiling of your faith. Because God will call you to areas that are beyond your ability, even beyond your capability. He will call you into an arena that will require him to accomplish he will call you into a place where you've got to look at the impossibility and you've got to start knocking and professing the promises of God and you've got to continue to knock in that area of discomfort when all eyes are looking back on you and you're standing there looking like a fool many times but saying, I will trust in God. I will move with God. I hear the voice of God. I will obey the Lord. I will not remain in that bondage. I will take everything that he's done 
done for me, everything that he's going to do to me, everything he's done, going to do through me. And I will put it all in one package called faith and I will keep knocking until that door opens up and we go through because the end result is worth it. But see, as long as I live my Christian existence with the ideology that the end all of my existence is just to be comfortable and happy, you're not going to get very far. Because the ceiling of your faith, the top end of your faith, will be your tolerance for discomfort. We live in a society where we have been overly conditioned. I promise you, when I go to the store, I look for the most comfortable shoe I can find. If they will make it stylish, great. But I want a comfortable shoe. I will take that comfortable shoe, and I will put comfortable insoles in that shoe. Because I like to be comfortable. If I'm going to sit down for any length of time, I want some padding under me, amen? I don't want to suffer from that travel tale. I want to have a seat I can sit in. Amen? If I go sit down at the house, I want a comfortable spot. I don't want to sit on the floor. See, we, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But hear me, folks. If we get overly conditioned to comfort, and we get challenged in the least little bit, and we decide, hey, if I've got to challenge my emotions... That maybe there's times I need to speak up, but there's other times I need to be quiet. Maybe there's, there's things that I'm afraid to do, like public speaking, like stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I just, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll do when you, I don't care what I look like when I do it. But if you're willing to stand and look like a fool in front of everybody, you will, be, you will find yourself at a place where God can say, now I can trust you with what I have for you. Amen. But see, if I'm always overly concerned with myself, I'm not going to get to that place. When I come to the acknowledgement of the fact that I can't do it, I can only do it through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, my tolerance for discomfort, just like my tolerance for pain when it comes to exercise and diet and such, facing myself. Amen? When you get to that place and you start challenging yourself in those physical areas, the same is true in the spiritual areas. Your tolerance to come against those cravings, to be discomforted for a moment, to say, I'm not going to give way to this craving. How am I not going to be overtaken by this craving? I'm not going to be overtaken by the craving by knocking through faith on that door of impossibility and saying, God, I'm not going back there. I need your help in this hour. I need your help in this day. Lord, you assured me, God, that you would give me a means of escape. I don't want to go back to bondage. Notice what fear always says as a manipulator. Did we not did we not tell you to leave us alone? I want you to hear this. If you're going to speak your opinions, let it be your opinions and not somebody else's. Don't be sucked into manipulation and becoming a manipulator by speaking for the majority. Be a man or woman of God and stand up and own your own opinions. Amen? 
don't, if you don't like something, you say, I don't like it. Don't say, we don't like it. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times that people approach me with the attitude of the majority. <laughs> We and us, and we don't like this, and we don't like that. And I say, well, tell me who the we are besides you. Um, uh, and who you've been talking to. Mm, uh, and, and who you've been gossiping to. And who you've been stirring the discord up with. I want to know who the we is because we're going to get them in the room. We're going to talk to them, me and you, we, are going to discuss who the we are. So don't get sucked into being a manipulator by speaking for the majority. Be man or woman enough and bold enough, if you're going to say it, own it. Amen? Because otherwise, it tells me that you're either, number one, you're after selfish desires, or you're being manipulated yourself by fear. Is that a good one? Just tuck that away. You might need that at a later date. <laughs> I want you to see something here. As Moses combats the fear, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What it tells me, if he gives a command, do not be afraid, then there's an option to be afraid or not be afraid. And if there's an option... That tells me I've got a choice. I can choose to be afraid. I can choose not to be afraid. I can choose to be guided by fear. I can choose not to be guided by fear. Now, he says, stand still. Stand still. I know we have the fight, flight, or freeze mentality. Many times it's hard just to stand still. Yes. Took a little family trip down to Hot Springs, had the 10-year-old in the back seat sitting between Mike and Laney, and there's Olivia. And Olivia's 10. She's moving all the time. I was glad I was driving. <laughs> it's hard. The younger you are, the harder it is to sit still. Amen? But the older you get, you can't wait to sit still. <laughs> See, the same is true in your faith. When you're young in the Lord, you're like, I can't sit still. I got to do something. Got to do something. Got to do something. I got to do something. Fear is always telling you, got to do something. Got to do something. And the Lord says, and won't you just stand still? Why don't you just be still for a minute? You've already tried to fix it all your ways. Why don't you just stand there and watch me fix it for you? Won't you just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord? Look at it for what it is. So, what do you have here? He said, I want you to hold your peace. <laughs> I know what he's saying, but folks... 
Sometimes when you're standing still and you're looking at the situation, you just need to hold your peace. Amen. Just hold on to peace. What is this? It's this peace I'm holding on to. I'm just holding on to my peace. I'm just trusting what the Lord said was true, and then he's not forsaken me just yet. Now, I love it when the Lord, when Moses turns. Uh, see, this is Moses giving this command right here, not the Lord. Now, Moses turns to the Lord, and the Lord says, Moses, why are you crying to me? That almost sounds insensitive, doesn't it? Why are you crying to me? See, a lot of times the Lord doesn't speak again when he's already spoken. If he's going to change directions, he'll tell you. But when he tells you, go in that direction, you keep going in that direction until he tells you to go in a different direction. Why are you standing here crying to me? Am I a fickle God? Am I duplicit in my behavior, in my character? Did I not tell you what route to take? Did I not know that there was going to be a mountain on either side and the enemy behind? I didn't tell you all that because you might have been talked out of it. But nonetheless, you're where I told you to be. Now go. But there's this. But what, what about that? What about that? Lift your rod. Lift your rod. Lift your rod. And it's interesting to me. He had to lift it. He didn't say put it in front of you. He said lift it. Lift it up. Lift it above the circumstance. You get all this fact down here. Fact is a doctor's report, bank statement, court papers. Fact is that text message you receive from that individual you're in conflict with. You got that fact. All these facts are out there. But the Lord says, I want you to lift, lift the rod above that. We don't deny the facts ever. But what we do believe is that truth is greater than facts. And so we lift it above the circumstance. And thus we come under the authority. Because whatever we agree with, we come under the authority of. Let me say it again. Whatever we agree with, we come under the authority of. Do we agree with the facts and lift them above us? Or do we agree with the word and the truth of God's word and we come under its authority? See, when I'm in agreement with this, it's up above my head. Sometimes it's above my pay grade. Sometimes I don't even have the clearance to know what's going on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. There are sometimes I've got to lift truth above my understanding. Just say, God, no. 
I'm just going to trust you. You didn't say I had to understand everything. You just said I've got to trust you. So what do I do? I lift it up above. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. As we look here, I want you to notice in verse 13. This is Moses speaking. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. The enemies you see, you'll see no more. Now, I want you to notice in verse 28. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the armies of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Notice the last portion of verse 28. Not so much as one of them remained. Verse 13 was Moses' declaration to the people. Verse 28 is the accomplishment of that declaration. So what do I see in that? You will receive what you believe. Mm. What you confess, you'll possess. The enemy you see right now, you're not ever going to see him again. Somewhere in this journey, Moses discovered the character of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And the plan was to deliver the covenant people out of the worldly bondage, out of the tight-fisted control of the enemy, out of the cruelty and the torment and the false identity and the slavery and the bondage. It was the will of God to pull the covenant people out of that place. And so it only stands to reason if God is taking me somewhere, then he's not intending for this past to always control me. That his intent was not for me to have partial freedom, a little bit of identity and just a little bit of victory. No, it is the will and intent of God that the enemies that are against us to be ultimately and wholly destroyed. That's what Jesus Christ came as the covenant and he went to the bowels of the earth and he took back what rightfully belongs to him and that is the authority Already a death, hell, in the grave. And he didn't save us so that we could stay in bondage. He set us free so that we can be free. You four get to eat first. See, you're going to receive what you believe. You're going to be far closer to getting to victory. By declaring the promises of God. Amen. I still do my daily declarations. I am a child of the Most High God. I am righteous in Him. I am blessed and highly favored. I have other world peace through Him. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus is my friend. I can do all things through Him and without Him. I'm not even going to attempt to do without Him. He is my Lord, my Savior, my King, and my God. I have been buried. I have buried my insecurities in the graveyard of unbelief. Fear has no place to land in my heart. Lies are banished from this dwelling. I live as one in Christ, righteous, resurrected. I am rewarded. I have I am complete in him. 
I know the Lord and the Lord knows me. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. As we begin to declare those things, I can do all things through Christ. You're going to come closer to doing all things by believing all things about Christ. And when you start believing about God, you'll start believing about yourself. Now, there's been issued in this house a 90-day challenge. A 90-day challenge is to read some of it. Who got a head start? Cheaters. Cheaters. That's all right. Read the Bible through in 90 days. (laughs) I've never written it through in 90 years. then you need the challenge. You need to discover what you didn't know you could do. You might learn something. I can't read that fast, and I can't, I can't know that. I can't know that. I can't know that. You might be surprised <laughs> what you may discover in the process of doing this. What if I don't finish in 90 days? Then we're going to horsewhip you. <laughs> We're going to line you up. i got a paddle with holes in it, and I'm going to whip you until you scream. What if you read it in 60 days? Then you get the same thing you get if you read it in 90. Enrichment in the Word of God. There's a reading plan out there in the, in the foyer. Let me encourage you. Get in the Word of God. Mom and dads, let your children see you reading the Word of God. You may discover things that you didn't know about the Lord. I can't tell you the number of times in passages of scriptures I've read multiple times. But still the Word of God just keeps giving, giving, giving. It is the living Word of God. It just... It is transformative. I am looking for transformation in this house. If we're going to be transformed, we've got to start with the renewing of our mind. What's amazing to me is I minister to people as they're going through battle, but they don't have the, the weaponry and the armament that they need to step into battle. There's not a soldier in here that went through boot camp that did not discover how to use a a firearm. Weapons. Why were they trained how to use a weapon? Because they were trained to go into battle. You cannot go into battle without some weapons. Amen. You've got to be equipped with the Word of God in order to accomplish what you need to accomplish. You want to combat depression? You can't do it with medication only. You've got to have the Word of God. You're going to combat fear? You can't do it with with just a little bit of counsel from human understanding. You've got to have the Word of God in order to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So he lifted the rod, and the door opened. They all went through. They turned around, and here comes the enemy. Lord, between you and I, 
what do I do now? I wasn't anticipating them follow me into. Any insight? What do I do when the enemy is pursuing me into the thing that you just opened up for me? How many have ever stepped into an area of ministry in Europe? Stepping into the things of God. You're doing things that are impossible for you to do. And all of a sudden you look back and the enemy that you thought left behind is following me into it. The fear I thought I left behind of the chariots and the intimidation and the insecurity is now follow me into the very place of impossibility. What do I do, Lord? How did you open it up to begin with? So how do you think you close it? word that you came under the first time is the word that you stay under when you get through. You keep the authority above you. There's many today that are attempting to change the book. Change the Word of God. You start changing the Word of God, it'll stop changing you. But if you'll take it for what it's intended and believe it for what it is, begin to apply it to your life, you will open impossible doors and you will close impossible doors. You might have been born this way, but you hadn't been born again this way. You might have had it in your family, but it doesn't mean it's going to carry on in your family. So the same way that you open that door is the same way you're going to close that door for the generations that are following you. Amen? The last thing, I won't promise, but the last thing, this is my own hypothesis. This is my belief. Nowhere can I find in Scripture to prove this point, so you can't disprove me either. So, the Bible says that when the sea collapsed, it was walls for Israel, and they walked over on dry ground. Then the chariot wheels started to become distorted and broken up. And all the Egyptians knew we're in trouble because we can't go the same path. The only one that can stop the motivation of the enemy is God. So it disrupts that. And before they, they were in such hot pursuit that when they got into the middle of it, Moses turns, lifts that rod they knew they were in trouble. And those walls of protection for Israel collapsed on the enemy. And all of Pharaoh's army died that day. And then the last verse in this chapter says that the dead bodies of the Egyptian soldiers swept up on the shore. I don't see anywhere before they enter into Canaan land 
that they had weapons, but they step into Canaan with weapons. Where did they get those weapons? Could it have been the Egyptian soldiers that washed up on the shore? I'll take that sword and I'll take that dagger. I'll take this and I will take that. You can't, you can't disprove, I can't prove. But it stands to reason if you're going to step into an area of battle, you've got to have some weapons. And where do you get the weapons? You get the weapons from the places that God brings you from. What happened that day? I believe personally that Israel was weaponized when they came through on the other side. What happens to your faith when God comes through by grace and you submit yourself under the authority of of God, wait a minute. This is why the enemy doesn't want you in the book. Because if you go by the book, then all of a sudden you have victory because you knock by faith, standing on the promises of God, and now you're weaponized at his destruction. It was David that picked up Goliath's sword. How did he get that sword? He started with what he had, and he knocked him down with the rock. And then he went and took that same sword that Goliath never even unsheathed and he cut his head off with it. And now that is David's sword. Amen. How are you going to weaponize yourself and be equipped for the next battle by winning the battle you're in? And you don't know that that battle you're in against the lion and the bears may be for preparation so you can face the giants. An ultimate giant that you may face may not be a physical giant, may be an internal giant of your own. Amen? So, back to our original thought. Can we have salvation without a Savior? No. Can we have victory without a victor? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't say I'm greater. It says he's greater. But see, I house the greater. I house the greater. What a sad, sad reality it would be to live our entire Christian existence and never discover the beautiful, relational arrangement that the Lord desires. I will be with you. I will be in you. And you and me, we will be one. God has torn down that middle wall of petition between us and him. I'm talking about the veil in the tabernacle, in the temple. He tore it in two. He's the one that originated the idea of the open room concept. We now live as one with him. And with still the altar of incense in the middle, the altar of intercession, we're still, we're in partnership with God. I'm bleeding over into another message, so I'm going to quit. Worship team, make your way up here right now, if you will.
There are those of you that have made New Year's resolutions. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. But let me encourage you in this. You're going to start that resolution with your will. But it's got to be fueled by God's grace. Let me read this statement so I don't mess it up. Faith doesn't come from striving. Faith comes from surrender. Cherry, surrender. Ray, surrender. Dolores, you can't get faith by striving. You surrender. Grace, what are we surrendering to? The completed work of Christ. Pam, it's, it's just surrender. Another beautiful thing about universal sign of surrender is lifting your hands. It wasn't me striving for faith to accomplish the will of God that got me to where I'm at today. It was just like, Lord, I can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> Forgot what we were fighting for. <laughs> so I just had to surrender. It was like playing mercy with God. You're going to preach, son. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you are. No, no, no. You got too many others. Finally, you get to the place, you're like, you ever played that game, Mercy? Okay, I surrender. I surrender. I give, I give, I give, I give. Good, I knew you would. <laughs> See, the Lord has some of you hardheads. I say that in a very affectionate way. You thick hardheads. Or just button your head against the wall. He said, I just need you to surrender. Just need you to surrender. Your reasoning is not going to get you out of that place. Let me just give you a FYI. God even gets me out of places that I got myself into. If I'll just surrender to Him, and He'll use that as a means of grace. He'll use it as a means of grace. Eh. The woman caught in adultery, he didn't say, hey, go on and go on in your whoredom and keep doing what you're doing. He said, go on to sin no more. He doesn't get us out so we can fall back in. He gets us out so we can stay out. But he will get you out if you'll just surrender. I want you to stand in this room. If you're in this house today, You've stepped up and you're facing an absolute impossible situation. 
It's beyond your ability, beyond your capability. It requires God in order to accomplish. This day is your day. We're going to knock on that door of faith, and we're going to believe grace is going to come in. In this moment, in the coming days, but grace is going to come in and empower you to overcome in these areas. If that's you today, I want you to step out of your seat and say, Lord, I'm coming to that altar and I'm going to knock on that door of faith and I'm going to believe grace is going to meet me here. I'm going to believe grace is going to empower me to do what it is I need to do to accomplish what needs to accomplish. Whether it's a bank statement, a doctor's report, a text message, it doesn't make any difference. It's only God. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to believe with you. We're going to knock with you. Because we understand that faith, faith loves agreement. Agreement with brothers and sisters and agreement with God. As soon as they come down, I want those of you in the altar just to lift your hands in complete surrender. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to give just a few more minutes for people to make their way down right now. And as they lift the hands, Laney and the worship team are going to lead us. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and begin to help me pray right now. Just begin to fall in. Come on, I'm going to give you just a few minutes. Give a few minutes to get down here. Just keep your hands lifted up. Please don't leave the altar until we have an opportunity to pray with you. But we're going to knock with you. We're going to knock in faith. And we're going to believe grace. Grace is coming from the unseen and it's going to step into the scene. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Let's believe God. Let's believe God today. We're knocking, we're knocking, we're knocking. Come on, prayer team, come help me today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. Addiction starts to break. 